0: Welcome to the Corporate Legal Ops Consortium podcast, where we dive deep into conversations with technology and operations thought leaders from across the legal ecosystem. This is Clock Talk. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix Legal Operations and Technology team. Today's episode is the first in a series of three episodes we're releasing in collaboration with EY Law entitled The Art of the Possible. In this first conversation, I'm joined by Alex Sue, Head of Community Development at Ironclad, and Christy Jetted Managing Director, EY Law Legal Function Consulting. We discuss how the delivery of legal services has evolved in 2020 and 2021. And now, episode one in the EY Law sponsored series, Art of the Possible. Christy, Alex, welcome to the podcast today. And I'm really excited to embark on this EY Law Art of the Possible podcast series debut with you both.
1: So excited to be here, Jen.
0: Yes, thank you, Jen. Very excited to be here today. We're looking at how the delivery of legal services has evolved over the past 24 months. So I want to open with our first question here to you both on how are law departments changing? What have you been seeing over the last 24 months? So to set the stage a bit, we've been amidst a global pandemic. We were all sent home in March of 2020 to indefinitely, virtually work from home and continue the business and keep everything moving. I know in my corner of the world, we've seen a lot of change in law departments. They still have to produce contracts for the business. Businesses may have slowed down for a moment, but the business didn't stop. And then it picked up speed again after we got used to being at home. And so we saw people trying to do more with less, people coming to the legal ops and technology team asking for more or more automation or more support, better, smarter ways of doing things. So I know we got busier. And then you saw contractual terms or things that had to be addressed as part of different businesses. Maybe it was a clause in a contract that needed to be mass extracted, we saw a lot of demand for understanding more quickly what's inside the contracts and all throughout just people changing, bringing more of their families and their home lives to work as we see on the screens every day. Alex, I'll kick it over to you from your perspective at Ironclad. What have you seen in the change in law departments these last 24 months?
1: Jen, it's very similar to what you just described. And we work with a lot of high growth companies and more contracts need to get approved, need to get created, need to get signed. And because of that uptick in business, it's more important for the legal department to make sure they can actually process the work. And given that everyone's living in all sorts of different places, I think we saw an increase in the use of technology to collaborate with each other. And along with that, you saw more and more people working remotely, bringing their families, their whole selves to work. Everyone learned how to use Zoom. Everyone learned how to use Zoom etiquette. And so the nature of the work was changing. And I think there's more and more work that's coming around and more opportunities for technology to help with that automation. Legal operations folks have been busier than ever.
0: From virtual background, Zoom skills, (laughs) to bringing yourself to work, to automating more, signing more, relying on the technology piece, underlying legal ops more and more. It's certainly a change. Christy, what did you see over from your corner of the world?
2: Yeah, so I echo a lot of what Alex said. I actually had an interesting journey myself. When the pandemic started, I was in-house as head of legal ops for a major pharma company. So I went through the transition while I was still in-house. And really, I have to say, we were pretty well-equipped being global already to be able to manage the new flow coming in. Anything that was going on, we were able to manage it, I would say. But then I left and I came to EY Law, where I started working with clients who were obviously in similar situations, maybe didn't have as much technology. So there's a big learning curve for a lot of legal departments on the technology piece, really how to interact not just with their clients internally, but also with their law firms. And then the piece of no more FaceTime. So legal departments were so much about FaceTime in the past, and it became an environment where FaceTime was no longer a thing. And they had to really get up to speed with using technology Zoom, Teams, whatever it was, to really enable themselves in the business. How did
0: you witness the teams get up to speed? What do people do? I know for teams and I've seen more trainings were needed, more instructionals, more quick tips on using all of this tech. I sat with a lot of people saying, this is how you change your virtual background to something cooler. Yes. What did you see in your corner?
2: I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of LegalOps kind of being the thread in between the IT department and some of the other attorneys in-house to really support that. I mean, LegalOps was really needed more than ever to really drive that change and really enable everyone to do what they needed to do virtually.
0: Yeah. And that's really where legal ops sits. We're a liaison function. We're a connector. We translate. We are fluent in speaking legal professional and attorney and we're fluent in speaking and understanding IT, technology, engineering, et cetera. So that's a place where I think we thrive. I would agree with that. In that Venn diagram, let's talk about readiness. We think a lot about that when I think back to March 2020, when things changed globally and in our workplaces. What does readiness mean? What does it look like and and how prepared do you need to be? and I just think back, were any of us prepared for this and as a legal department, what does readiness mean? Alex, thoughts on readiness and whether we were all prepared with our technology or or otherwise?
1: I mean, we were all forced to be ready. I think that certain players in the ecosystem were more ready than others, and I'll give you a couple of examples from my experience. I've been in the tech startup space everyone was already using zoom and distributed teams were not a new thing but if you look at the corporate legal department not all of them are like that and if you look at law firms who work with them not all of them are like that either and i remember hearing a story about one firm that decided that during the pandemic they had to move to e-signature during that time you know before it was such a unique and, and novel thing to use e-signature if you were a law firm afterwards everyone moved to it. Everyone started using Zoom and Teams. People really adapted. But in the beginning, in those first few weeks and months, you remember, there was a lot of talk about what are we going to do? How are we going to approve our contracts? How are we going to find our force majeure clauses and whether the word pandemic exists in those clauses? You know, Things like that came up. And so, yeah, there was a lot of scrambling, but I think over time, there's been a shift, which is similar to some of the themes we've been talking about here.
0: Yeah, the shift. And you're making me remember those opening weeks and months and how we were all transitioning, adjusting, fine tuning, sort of your rhythm of work. And then how do you get things like contracts approved or signed, but just even personally, how you show up and and make all your workflows of the day work. Christy, how about for you? What does readiness mean?
2: So similar in the technology sense, and I would agree with the the global comments, if you're working as a global company already, you probably already had the technology in place and you're used to the Zoom calls, the team calls and working remotely with each other. I think it was a lot harder on folks that were in legal departments or companies that were maybe only in the Americas who didn't do that as much. And so it was a huge adjustment, not just from the working from home, but I mean, even just how they got their work done on a daily basis because it was an entire world change for them as opposed to just where they were sitting physically that day. So I think in the beginning, there was a huge scramble. But now, as Alex said, it's shifted. And I know most folks that I know have no desire to go back into the office five days a week for legal. They've gotten used to working remotely. And I think the business has gotten used to working remotely with their attorneys. And there's a lot of good that's come out of it. And those relationships... It's less of a come down to your office and sit there and ask you questions. You can collaborate more virtually. It's been a good change. I think a lot of places will probably adopt it going forward. Maybe not full time. Maybe it's a hybrid model, but I think we'll see more of that than we did in the past. I
0: think that's a really good point. So we transitioned in those opening weeks, months, put some new behaviors and sort of a flow in place. And now a lot of us, many have found bit of a silver lining in it or better work life integration or less time commuting, which is a big conversation topic in the state of California. And you can use that time for other things yourself, self-care or family or more work. And what will it look like? What will the new normal look like? And I know for me, I fall into that camp where I was five days a week in the office prior to the pandemic. And I found a new flow state one or two days a week. I want to be at home and have that concentration to get a different kind of work done. But I want to be in the office because one of the biggest changes I saw was no in-person slows things down because you don't get all that water cooler talk. And I used to solve a lot of problems at the water cooler or at Netflix, it's the stairwell. I had a standing meetings with people at the stairs (laughs) after or before or on the way to a meeting and you get a lot done and you don't realize how much in person in a five minute combo can get locked and loaded and understood. So me myself, I'll be going back to a hybrid as I'm sure many, as you said, law departments, legal professionals will.
1: I think that the trend of moving everyone out of the office to, I guess, distributed teams or your remote teams, you do lose something. And I think that it's challenging, especially given this broader trend of legal departments being less of managers of risk and more along the lines of becoming a partner to the business. How do you know what the business is doing? I think that's the challenge as we move forward because there are a lot of great things about working remotely, but what happens to those water cooler or stairwell conversations that used to take place where people would just talk about random things they were working on? and then legal would understand, oh, where are their issues? How do you get proactively get ahead of certain issues? And so I think companies will need to figure out how to bridge that gap. And I'm very curious about how different folks have been able to solve that.
0: Yeah, and we're gonna talk about this sort of changing dichotomy in legal departments we've all observed over time where legal is less that risk management function and more that partner to the business. So they need to be in the know And then a team like Legal Ops and Tech needs to be in the know on everything legal's doing. And it's hard to know these things. How do you make up for that lost water cooler time? And I know for me, it sometimes turns into more meetings because you need extra time in these meetings, virtual meetings, to intentionally catch up with people, get to know them and get all of that in between stuff conveyed to one another, not just your maybe a straight agenda bullet. So are you both seeing that as well, either more meetings or having to be more intentional? Christy, you're nodding.
2: So for me, it's more meetings. I mean, my calendar is back to back to back, all day long meetings. So my sidebars I have found are text messages and Teams messages and even multitasking. And and I gotta say, it's actually become in some ways more effective because I mean, of course, there's nothing that takes the place of face-to-face. I think you still need that in some sense, but I feel like sometimes I'm more effective because I can be on a call with someone having a sidebar conversation, but at the same time talking about what's happening there with someone on Teams, saying so if they know about it, and then at the same time, sending a text message. So I can have three different conversations at once without being rude to anyone. It's solving the problem or going to next steps.
0: I'm going to ask the question now. Having three conversations at once is actually impossible for the human brain to really be in, right? We only really do or can hear one thing at a time in our stream of thoughts and in our ear. Mm-hmm. Are you running into miscommunications fires? And I, the question behind the question is, well, the admission behind the question is I am. So I'll be multitasking, having a combo while on a meeting. And my tone is maybe not being fully explanatory or setting all the context. And I've Definitely had to back myself out of some of those corners I've gotten into miscommunications wise. So seeing any of that.
2: I have, I've done it twice today, responding to the wrong team's message. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yes.
0: You're like telling finance what procurement needs to know. Well done.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I've had a few of those where I'll answer something and I'll get a what? Yeah. Oh wait, never mind. Wrong person. So yes, I've had a few of those and inspires myself. Hopefully they're all
0: benign and fun though. Alex, how about you? What are you seeing? Is it a more meetings game? And are, do you see any misfires?
1: I've seen a lot of different ways that companies have approached this. There are more meetings. I think we tried in the beginning. I don't know if you all had this experience. Happy hours, virtual happy hours where it mean, forced socialization would happen, thinking that would help. One thing that I found that was interesting that I heard the story was that some companies, because of this remote first culture now, have become more deliberate about sharing information about company priorities. So where before it might just be, here's the update. Now they've got this cadence, this meeting cadence, and they're very good at distributing that information. And one of the stories I heard was there was a woman at a legal department who listened in on that and realized that some of the work she was doing was not in line with some of the priorities. And so she shifted her work to align with those priorities, which led her to sure, bring in technology, but also work with other functions like the sales team, because everybody had something in it to push for that priority. But that priority was IPO readiness. I think when companies become more deliberate about information sharing, these other unexpected upsides happen, like understanding where everyone fits in. Maybe they understand that the pile of work in front of them, that they should focus on this particular pile because it's tied to the company goals versus this other one that is you know, less urgent. So I thought that was a great story to hear about and maybe one of the unexpected upsides of going to remote.
0: And what a key tenet of prioritization is aligning what you're doing to what is going to have the most impact and relevance for the business right now. So it's all of our jobs inside our companies at any level to understand those goals. And then in these virtual times, can companies be sharing that more forthright, more transparently to everyone so that we can do that connecting of the dots? What a key point.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something that's always been important, but I remember when I was in law school, they told me, if you go work for a legal department, you're just going to spend all day managing outside counsel and analyzing risk and making sure everyone's making the right decision. That's not been my experience actually working with legal departments. It's a lot more partnering with the business, moving at their speed, and I'd be curious to hear from both of your perspectives what it's really like to work in a legal department in 2021 and maybe 2022.
0: What a funny thing you were told by, I'm guessing, a lawyer somewhere. And no disrespect, but just saying, well, all you're going to do, these are the things we hear in life. Like, you'll never be this. All you're going to do in a legal department is that. Okay, I've been in a legal department now for almost 12 years in different companies. And in my second tour of legal ops, I was drawing cartoons in a legal department and instructionally designing Animations for training as part of my KM program at Cisco Legal. And I would have never have thought they would want cartoons, but we thought outside the box. We tried one, I wrote all my sarcastic jokes in there, and it hit. It, it took two or three videos to find the rhythm, but it hit. And by the time I left Cisco Legal, I produced close to 60 animated training videos from two minute to 10 minute, all different legal topics from like Excel efficiency for lawyers to antitrust in 10 parts. So a legal department is just another department inside a corporation with people that have tech or inefficiencies or work to be done and need information, creative ways to get stuff done and get better. So I don't know, that's my pitch for this work. You can make this work Ops and tech or otherwise, anything you want, so long as it supports the goals of the department. Christy, what do you think should go on inside a legal department?
2: So in my experience, legal has been a partner as opposed to anything else. Not the paper pushing, all you're going to do is manage outside counsel. Really, my experience through my entire career has been that legal is a partner. They have a seat at the table. My last company, definitely RGC had a seat at the table for everything. Really a strategic advisor more than anything. You know, if there's a large meeting about whatever the topic might have been, whomever your legal person is, your legal rep with inside the company would be a part of that conversation. So I really feel like that relationship and that point of view is changing
0: as well. This partnership thing, again, it, it's sort of the changing dichotomy in the legal department, less Drafting a contract back office service org, you never see them to upfront as a part of the advisor and consulting on the deal you're doing or the new market you're trying to break into. So shifts on shifts, states of change going forward. What are both of your advice on dealing with such changes going forward? How do we enable the legal department and everyone in it to keep flexing to the needs? to the conditions, to the changing workforce. And I know we talk a lot about change management in our businesses and in our work and how important that is. We often forget it. And I've noticed it takes longer. Change management in COVID times or in this pandemic virtual times, I should say, it takes longer. So how do we flex? Alex, thoughts on how we deal with change going?
1: I think that, there's a couple of pieces to this, and this is kind of stitched together from all of my conversations with legal departments, but number one, aligning yourself with the company priorities means that you understand what's most important, what work should you be doing? And then once you understand that, there's a lot of ways to, to solve the problem. So the, the second part is understanding who else is impacted by those priorities. There was in-house lawyer who told me that she didn't have anyone reporting to her, but, and she needed resources. So she actually went to find another team and another business function where they were aligned and and she leveraged that person's team. And so I think you have got to be creative about the people. And then of course, just, you know, understanding where the process is smooth, where there's bottlenecks understanding how and where technology or outside providers or law firms or, or the whole patchwork of different ways to solve a problem are. And I think that not thinking, of doing things the way we've always done it, but thinking, okay, now that we are in this new world with remote work, with these priorities, with lots of different ways to solve the problem, how are we going to move forward with a new process? And I think that's a a longer-term trend that we'll see play out. But yeah, those are the three things I think that'll help with change moving forward. What
0: I hear across all of that, the theme is innovation. Being willing to innovate yourself, how you show up to the work, look at the work and find new ways to solve old problems, Mm -hmm. reducing complexity and just staying open to that and somewhat excited and invigorated, staying invigorated by that. And that's hard for people. That's the change management hard part.
2: Christy, what do you think? So to build on that and the innovation and I think everything around that, and I think this is particularly difficult for legal, becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable and just rolling with the changes because i think as legal professionals of any kind we all have a propensity to want to control and manage no. everything no <laughs> so really understanding what you can and you can't control and you become comfortable with that and i think it kind of this point dovetails off a little bit but really the change in how legal professionals i think approach each other and even the business there's more of a And empathy now, there's more of a human element and you're seeing a lot more of that coming in because you're literally in everyone's home every day interacting with each other. So I think that's another area that people really need to work on. And I think they're being forced to. And I think the change has been really positive.
0: Empathy, empathy, empathy. So empathy by definition is active listening or walking a mile in someone else's shoes. Not just listening on someone's experience, but actually trying to put your feet in their footprints and experience what they're saying. That's empathy. It's listening more than you speak. For me, and and tying to some of our themes, it means slowing down a bit more because I'm super speedy in real life, in person with people. It's assuming good intent and because you might not have the context behind your Microsoft Teams message or the Slack message. And all of this takes more time. Alex, what are your thoughts on empathy?
1: I think that empathy is the core. It's the first principle that everything comes back to. If you look at the contracting context, there is always this tension between sales and and legal. But if each party kind of looks, takes a step back and think, okay, if I'm a legal department, I understand that the sales team has quotas to hit. and, And that's why they're always pushing for certain, we'll call it risky language in contracts. If you look at the the sales team, you look at legal, legal's against all of the risk that the company faces. I think that empathy is desperately needed. And I see a lot of it these days, more so than in the past, partly because we all see each other on Zoom and we see each other on Teams with our houses, our kids running around, our pets running around. And so I think that there is more amount of empathy these days than there was before.
0: My hope with more empathy is we can take it back into the office once we all return to the office in some fashion yeah. and thread that through in the environment more. I'm afraid things will speed up again and we'll forget, but I'm going to do my part to hold that space and try to slow down and continue to understand who people really are, even though I don't have the virtual background of their living room and the guitars and the background and the artwork and the the police hat. And I see, (laughs) I see a bachelor's degree. So, you know, the background of us all will take back into the office, but hope it carry this empathy thing forward. Because I really think it is, it's the new workplace. It's bringing more and more of that into the workplace for all things, not just our work, but for inclusion and diversity initiatives that we're all focused on. Empathy is the core ingredient you need to understand who people are and then figure out how you're going to do all this cool work together. Yeah.
2: I think it uh, leads a little bit to, in some cases, better work-life balance too. When you're in the office and someone says, I have to leave at exactly this time because I've got to do this or take my kid here or take my kid there. If you're someone who doesn't have any kids, you hear that and understand what they're saying. But I don't think you absorb it as much as when you're on a Zoom call and the person's kids running behind them with scissors and they're like, Yeah, I got to take care of that. And you're like, You know what? We can talk later.
0: Yeah. You're like, <laughs> This really makes sense why you need to parent your child. So bye. And yeah, there's just a, there's such a more human component to it. And I've actually seen that scenario many times. I'm like, You go, this child is hungry. Anything I'm talking about, legal ops contracts, this can wait until tomorrow. So it's right. such a good point. Well, we've talked about a lot of things today. I love that we brought it all to this culminating point of empathy, innovation, the dichotomy, change happening in our legal departments, our readiness and and how we were all flexed and learned through these last 24 months to do things in new, innovative ways. So I would like to thank you both for being a part of our combo, and hope to see you both live soon somewhere.
2: Thank you.
1: Thanks, Jen. This was a lot of fun.
0: That about wraps up this episode of Clock Talk. Thank you to Christy and Alex for a fun and insightful conversation. And thank you to EY Law for their sponsorship and development of this episode series. You can catch this and other episodes of Clock Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Until next time.